Welcome to the best kept secret video cast and podcast from Centricity. If you're a B2B service professional, use our five-step process to go from the grind of chasing every sale to keeping your pipeline full with prospects knocking on your door to buy from you. We give you the freedom of time and a life outside of your business. Each episode features an executive from a B2B services company sharing their provocative perspective on an opportunity that many of their clients are missing out on. It's how we teach our clients to get executive decision makers to buy without being salesy or spammy. Here's our host, the co-founder and CEO of Centricity, Jay Kingley. I'm Jay Kingley, co-founder and CEO of Centricity. Welcome to our show where our guests share their provocative perspective on what their target market is missing out on. I'm happy to welcome to the show two guests. It's a two for one day. Matthew Irish and Dave Hubin of the Embark Group. The Embark Group deploys a multidisciplinary approach to experience research that quickly identifies what matters most to customers and employees and uses that to implement solutions to address these opportunities. Matthew and Dave are both based in Fargo, North Dakota. Welcome to the show, guys. Thanks for having us, Jay. You guys are really focused on an area that I think gets a lot of attention today, and that is employees. And if you read and you listen to business executives, whether they're large multinationals or your local corner store and everything in between, we are in a crisis when it comes to our staff. We can't recruit enough people to deliver what we do. We can't train them effectively. We can't give them a compelling experience and we can't retain them. You know, we've all heard talk of the great resignation. Everywhere you look, everywhere you listen, you have all these pundits who are giving their points of view. Is this real? Is this not real? What's the cause? What you, what should you do? There are so many different points of view out there that I think when you're on the listening end, you just get confused and baffled as to what's real, what's not real, what you should do. And there is this sense among a lot of the pundits that there is a uniform problem and answer. In other words, it's all cookie cutter. There's one thing that you should be doing and everybody should be doing the same thing because everyone has exactly the same issue. And I know from my experience, I am always skeptical when someone tells me, particularly when it comes to people, that they know exactly the cause and the problem. They know exactly the solution and it fits everyone. Now, you guys are, have a lot of expertise when it comes to doing research among employees to find out what really is going on. So let me uh, direct my first question to you, Matthew. What is it that employers are getting wrong when it comes to figuring out, first of all, what's the problem? And secondly, what are some potential solutions? So uh, you summed it up uh, really well, and, and companies today are very interested in improving their employee experience, and, and for really good reason. Uh, companies that invest in a great employee experience are up to four times more profitable compared to those that don't, but uh, executives are trying to improve their employee experience with massively incomplete data, and as you said, they ultimately end up working on the wrong problems, which come with a very significant cost in, in obvious things like time and productivity, but also in terms of employee attitudes 
for the organization. And where they go wrong is in their methods to understand the employee experience, which sets them on the, the wrong path from the start. Um, experience surveys tend to be the, the default method uh, to find where problems exist and what can be done about them uh, because they're cheap and you can collect a lot of data in a short amount of time. But surveys are highly flawed and very limited in their ability to produce uh, insights that you can actually use. It doesn't really tell you a, a lot of the context, which is unique to each organization. Um, Oftentimes, the data that is available through surveys uh, represents about 20% of what is actually available, and you can't adequately diagnose a problem with that type of information or that volume of information. Uh, there's just a high chance of error doing things this way, and it uh, comes with a, a, a big risk. And one of the biggest risks is drawing assumptions based on your own perspective. So really where surveys break down is their ability to produce meaningful insights about why the experience is the way that it is and what the sources of the problems actually are. So when 85% of executives say their organizations are, are bad at problem diagnosis, this is the reason they're trying to diagnose a problem with largely incomplete data. But a lot of employers, in addition to using uh, surveys, do exit interviews. And these are the people that obviously they're, they're leaving their companies. They probably, at least you might think, have the best insight into what all the issues are because they're out the door. Hey, they're going to tell me the truth, right? So why don't I just do the survey and add the exit interview? And does that solve the problem in your point of view? Yeah, exit interviews are a, a, a common thing amongst employers. Um, and, and the challenge with that is, uh, kind of twofold. It, one is the person that, that's that's leaving uh, is how they represent the reasons that that they're leaving uh, is uh, it's going to be at a point where uh, they might not be willing to really tell you uh, openly what uh, what their thoughts or feelings or opinions uh, are in an objective way. And on the on the other side, the person who is who is conducting the interview also has the challenge of, of forming a, an interview that is going to result in objective uh, information that you can draw some things from. And then they're also interpreting that from their own, um, their own uh, biased perspective. So when you're in the problem, sometimes it's really hard to see the problem from both ends. So let me ask uh, Dave, uh, if the employee survey is not the totality of the answer, if adding an exit interview still isn't giving you the totality of the answer, what approach should companies be taking to really understand what is the good, bad, and the ugly, if you will, of their employee experience? George, that's a great question and an important one, obviously. So when it comes to understanding employee experience and precisely diagnosing problems, you just have to go beyond that survey data, right? Because relying on that survey data alone for employee experience is like the Titanic trying to navigate around that iceberg. Only look at the surface. You're heading for disaster. We all know how that ends, right? You want to avoid that. So surveys are a good starting point. Like you said, executives today need to understand their limitations as a tool for understanding experience and for root problem diagnosis. This means a strategic shift uh, regarding the collection and use of data and an emphasis being put on accurately identifying the right problems to work on from the start. So we urge executives to look at triangulation. This is a method that allows you to diagnose problems with 
far more precision and provide insights traditional methods alone just can't. Basically, triangulation uh, is collecting data in three ways, right? You have quantitative data like surveys that we're all used to, but then you augment that with some qualitative data like uh, interviews and focus groups. But then you also rely on field observations. This is where you get out, walk the walk, right? See things in real life and real time. It's the intentional design of the research, right? And the combination of these three data points that's meaningful. So any of them alone is a piece of the puzzle, right? Fitting them together correctly builds the complete picture uh, of the situation you're trying to understand. Uh, and it gets at the root problem. Just imagine you're trying to meet a friend for coffee and they give you a time. Chances are you're not going to meet that, right? But if you triangulate that time with a location and a date, greatly reduced the risk of error, right? And chances are you'll have a cup of coffee with your friend. So that goal of triangulation is to efficiently build a complete picture. So you don't waste valuable resources working on the wrong things. So when we talk about uh, field observation, which uh, is not something that you typically read a lot about, but what came to my mind is the old Hewlett and Packard. And I, I can't remember which, which of the two I uh, used to talk about managing by walking around. Is that another way to think about the field observation uh leg of that uh, stool. Sure, you nailed it, JJ. Uh, I mean, that's great, right? We talk about the difference between facts and truths. And you're looking at survey data, you get some facts, right? And when you talk to people, you get their facts. But when you walk the walk, you start to get some truths, right? Because you're augmenting what people are saying and what they're really doing. That's why field observations are a really important aspect of this. So I love the uh, idea of triangulation because clearly you're getting the best of three different approaches and using that to mitigate the disadvantages so that you should end up with something that's a lot more accurate uh, and uh, actionable. Let me go back to Matthew and, and say, do you have any information that would show the impact on the business, the impact on your ability to manage employees using this triangulation technique? Yeah, I, I do. I think I'll, 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 I don't feel like it was a good way to illustrate the difference between using uh, something like a survey to diagnose a problem and then going deeper and more precisely diagnosing that problem with, with the complete puzzle, the more complete information, like they've said. So um, a, a regional healthcare organization had employee experience as part of their long-term strategy and felt that turnover was a good indicator of bad experience. Uh, and turnover among the new staff was very high for this this organization, it was around consistently around 30%. Uh, the target was to be closer to 10 to 12%. Uh, and that, that gap, closing that gap uh, would save this organization about $10 million annually. So how did they approach the issue? They assigned a, a, a project to a group of about 30 managers and directors to investigate it and come up with a plan. And this group tried to understand the work experience and diagnose the, the turnover problem the common way by conducting a, a, a survey. Uh, so based on their analysis, they determined that the issue was related to manager communication during the onboarding process. Uh, so they, um, they proceeded with an action plan uh, to assign uh, managers the task of having a monthly meeting with new employees to talk about uh, what's going on and get some of their, their feedback. Um, so the total you know, project investment was about $125,000. So if they hit their target, that $10 million opportunity, it would have been a great return. Uh, the plan was implemented and they monitored turnover for the first six months and there was no change in, in turnover. Uh, 
but they felt it was a sound point and just needed some more time. So six months uh, later, uh, as they made the, did some monitoring, it continued to go unchanged. So the opportunity that they had had not been touched. The project, the project investment was, was lost, and along with a year's worth of time uh, and, and effort because they relied on incomplete data and didn't diagnose the problem correctly. And, and that's not a situation you want to be. So when the survey was triangulated with uh, various interviews and some uh, field observations, it was found that the actual problem had nothing to do with manager communication at all. It was about the duration of the onboarding process and some of the support uh, functions that were uh, that were not in place during that, that time. So a new plan was drafted based on a more precise problem. Uh, the project came with a, a, a higher price tag, so to limit the company's risk, uh, they validated everything with a, with a prototype, which received very positive uh, results prior to rollout. Uh, and then after rollout, we monitored everything for uh, for 12 months. Turnover went down by about 8%, and then the following year by another 9%. So the, the major difference was in triangulation. And, and here's really the point. This is the bottom line. You don't want to make quick assumptions about a problem based on limited information. Go deeper, test your thinking, and operate with more objectivity. Dave, when you were talking about triangulation, you used this expression, which I, I thought was are really thought-provoking, which is facts, and then you have truth. So I'm going to try to make this analogy around the benefits that organizations get. And I think Matthew was talking about the facts, but let's talk about the perception, the emotion, the truth of the people that are going to be in the decision-making role about moving away from solely relying on surveys, maybe some exit interviews to the triangulation approach that you're talking about. So give me a sense of that emotional journey that the decision maker's on, who's going to get behind doing what you suggest. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you set the stage, right? It's the great resignation. And these days, with all the options that people have regarding work, we don't have the luxury to simply ask people, right, about their experience or try to address those symptoms of organizational problems. So valued people will leave and their organization will suffer. That's simple. But by shifting your approach, you go from asking to listening. And almost instantly, you become an empathetic leader, a true employee advocate. And those employees are going to reward you with their trust, the respect, collaboration, and loyalty. You start seeing things that you haven't seen before, rational, informed decisions that will have a real positive impact on people's lives. I don't think I'm being hyperbolic by saying that. When people feel their organization listens and is meeting their needs in ways that are meaningful to them, they start coming to work excited, energized, inspired. And what's great about this is it has the same effect on the leadership team, right? They too start coming to work equally excited, energized, and inspired. Fabulous. Now, let me go back uh, to Matthew. So the case has been made. Certainly to me, it makes a lot of sense to use this triangulation approach. What are the implementation steps that I need to take to make it happen in my organization. Here's what we suggest to you. First, pick up a model that you identified in your strategic planning process. I think any, anybody would, would have something that they really want to make a, uh, an impact on. You want it to be something you're willing to invest some resources in, but also something that has a relatively narrow focus. Uh, at the beginning there, you also want to try to be specific about the group of the people you're trying to have an impact on as, as you get started. From there, you want to take an inventory of the data that you have to address the problem and then ask yourself a, a, a thought-provoking question. Is what assumptions 
am I making based on this data? And this is a really important question because you want to challenge your assumptions with new information or with different perspectives. So next, uh, design a triangulation strategy. So as, as we said, surveys are, are a great place to start, so you can start there. But be careful uh, because they seem easy to write, but they're actually very difficult to do well. So this might be something to consider uh, outsourcing. But the results should give you an idea of where to dig deeper. Next, uh, do your interviews and your field observations. And you can do these uh, concurrently. Ideally, you want this done uh, by a group that isn't directly involved uh, in the problem. As I stated before, sometimes when you're in the problem, you can't really see the problem. So if you can have it done by somebody outside, that, that helps keep things a little bit more objective. And the goal here is to form different perspectives and to challenge those assumptions you've identified earlier in the process. And then last and critically important here is to use the new insights you have to develop a very small scale test to either validate or invalidate that you're about to start working on the right problem. And either outcome is good if you validate it or invalidate it, both are good. Uh, the goal here is to move from thinking you're on the right track to knowing that you're on the right track. So those are the five-step process. We all know that uh, tried and true statement, you can't manage what you don't measure. And I think where a lot of companies are going wrong when it comes to managing their employees is they think they're measuring the right thing. But as you pointed out, uh, Matthew, in your example, which is if you measure the wrong thing, then you are going to put in place the wrong solution because you're not solving the real problem. And I think this approach of triangulation is going to take out a lot of the errors that we have when we don't accurately measure what's really going on. So we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to learn a bit more about Matthew and Dave. Are you wondering how much longer you have to grind and chase for every lead conversation and client? Would you like clients to knock on your door so you no longer have to pitch, follow up, and spam decision makers? Well, Centricity's Category of One program uses a proven five-step process that will help you get in front of the decision makers you need by spending less time doing all the things you hate. It's not cold calling, cold email, cold outreach on LinkedIn or any other social media, or even spending money on ads, but it does have a 35 times higher ROI than any of those things, leveraging your expertise and insights at your prospects and network value. The best part, even though you'll see results in 90 days, you get to work with the Centricity team for an entire year to make sure you have all the pieces in place and working so you can start having freedom of time and a life outside of your business. So email time at centricityb2b.com to schedule an 18-minute call to learn more. Welcome back. We're talking to Matthew Irish and Dave Hubin of the Embark Group. Let's find out a bit more about both of you and your company. And let me start, Dave, by asking you, what are the pain points that you solve for your clients and why do they need you? to get rid of the pain. Sure, sure. So, so as we said, good employee experience isn't a nice to have, it's a must have. Companies know this, right? They use uh, words like experience quite often. Uh, companies that have great employee experience, as Matt said earlier, are four times more profitable than those that don't. We help companies get those results, right? We do this through specialized research, provides a complete picture of the employee experience and identifies problems with great precision. So the anxiety around not knowing the right problem to work on or having worked on the problem again and again, right? That's a pain point we address. 
We use a unique approach to collaboratively design and test possible solutions to those problems in as little as five days. Right? And this approach leverages several techniques to ensure objectivity in the process and it validates things along the way. We verify that we're continuing to address the problem at hand uh, so our clients don't waste valuable time and money. Uncertainty goes hand in hand with anxiety. Working on the wrong things uh, is bad mentally and it's bad in terms of fiscal issue, right? Bottom line. We know this is going to drive some sort of change. So from the very beginning, we are working with our clients to build and execute a change management strategy that will help people easily and efficiently adopt what is new. And this is absolutely essential to get in the results. Matthew, there are a number of experienced research firms out there that clients could uh, turn to. I don't know of any client that is seeking average or is looking for mediocre. To ask the question that doesn't get answered enough, even, even though it is being asked at least in the client's mind, what makes you guys great at what you do? It's a Obviously, a good question. Question today. I think one of what makes us different is we own the results with our clients, and because of that, we focus a great deal on that change management at the end. And I think this is the thing that really sets us apart. It's it's not a matter of let's do some research and hand you the results and and off you go. You know, we want to see those things really come to fruition for everybody that's involved, everybody that has something to, to gain at the end. So we want to make sure you get the best results possible. And to do that, you need to attend to the human side of any project, and that's the adoption of the change. We know that change is going to be an inevitable uh, part of the process, which is why from day one, we're looking at our client situation from a change management perspective. Because again, to get the best results, you have to, uh, the change has to be adopted by the people. It's intended to have an impact on it. Too often organizations wait until the uh, a, a solution has been developed and it's ready to be implemented to start managing that change if they're actively managing it at, at all. Uh, that's not how we operate. If you want your project to be a success and we own those results with you, people have to make the, the willing choice uh, to adopt the change. So from the very beginning, that's where our mind is. We're working collaboratively uh, with you in your context with everything that we've learned uh, about your culture, about your people, designing a solution based on the research that we've done, and then using all of that to implement something that is aligned with the culture and the strategy, the structure, and so on. Uh, it's very comprehensive, uh, it's efficient, uh, and it's completely customized to our clients. Both of you have very interesting academic backgrounds and work experience that I think makes you ideally suited for what it is that you do. So I encourage our listeners to go to your LinkedIn profiles and check that out and get a sense for what you bring to the table. But I have a slightly different question. I'm actually going to ask each of you to answer in turn. Matthew, I think we'll start with you. And the question is this, what has happened in your life that would most explain why you're doing what you do today? For my, for my part, I the very issue that we're discussing today, the notion that more often than, than not organizations are, are working uh, with incomplete information and, and involving the wrong people in the, in the process, uh, trying, to, trying to fix things. And organizations are, are usually full of people who are, are, are good at it coming up with, with solutions to things, but not always good at really identifying the right questions to ask to get to the, the root of, of the problems. Um, I think we've all been there at some point in our careers. Uh, you can think of a painful experience that had 
negative implications on people. Um, it has economic consequences, uh, but it also causes emotional pain for employees and executives as, as well. People don't want to feel like they're cogs in a machine. They want to feel like they're part of something that has a, a higher purpose. And uh, I think Peter Drucker is somebody who, who said it best, the way that he described an organization. He said that businesses exist to fulfill a specific social purpose and to satisfy a specific a specific need of you know, society. And my interpretation of that is is uh, to create value for customers and, and for your employees to create environments where people can be their absolute best. I think organizations can do that if they focus on something like uh, improving the experience that, that people have. And Dave, what about your journey? So I don't have I don't the have uh, same corporate experience that Matt has. I'm an anthropologist, an archaeologist. And no, we aren't the folks who dig up dinosaurs. Uh, we actually study human nature, right? Human experience. Uh, when people hear this, though, right, they think of the stuffy academic you know, who studies an ancient civilization or an exotic culture halfway around the world, uh, and they think, who cares? So, uh, honestly, I can't say that I blame them. Maybe I have a chip on my shoulder. Maybe that's where my drive stems from. Um, but when we're talking about human experience, human nature, it matters to every this uh, forum right? The corporate world is a place where I can exercise my training, my understandings in a way that has a real tangible effect on people in a way that they care about. And I want others to care about what I care about. I'm passionate about. So that's why I do this. Many of our listeners are going to be, I think, really interested in this idea of triangulation, getting better measurement on what's going on with their employees so that they can much better results higher performing teams, better retention, uh, lower cost of employee acquisition. So what uh, is the best way for people to reach out to you to continue the conversation? So the best way to reach us is on website. Uh, you'll find our contact information uh, listed there. There's also a contact form uh, that you can fill out and send to us if you have uh, specific questions or have a special request that you want to make. And we're more than happy to, um, uh, to work with anybody that, that contacts us. We're more than happy to, to do that. And as you stated before, you can find us on LinkedIn as well. We would really appreciate uh, connecting with all the listeners. And I will put that uh, specific contact info into the show notes, make it easy for people to reach out. So uh, bravo to both. I think you've brought a lot of uh, insight, a different way of looking at an essential input into what it's going to take in order to get our employees and staff uh, at the highest level of performance and make sure that we hold on to the people that are near and dear to us. So, of course, I could just sit here and declare success. Another fabulous show, two great guests, but that's not how I roll. I'm always looking on behalf of our audience for how I can extract the absolute most value out of what it is that you bring to the table so I am going to raise the ante, I'm going to raise the expectations, and I'm going to ask you guys, what can you offer our listeners as a gift to further sweeten the pie on the great content that you've offered them today? We do have, we do have something. It's not a public yet. Yeah. We haven't made a public yet, but we have a playbook that we call, call Reimagining the Experience, and uh, it, it talks a lot about uh, uh, this, this approach that, um, that we 
presented here today. So uh, as an exclusive for the, the listeners of the best kept secret, uh, we can make that available. What we would ask have is uh, we really, really would like to hear from the listeners and what, what they stood up to them, what they really liked, uh, or any questions that they have. So uh, if they reach out to us either through LinkedIn or via the, the website, uh, contact us, we will uh, send them uh, this rematching the experience playbook that is, again, exclusive just to those who are listening. One of the sweetest words to my ears is exclusive. I like to think that my listeners and audience, they're exclusive. You guys are exclusive and among the best at what you do. So you are speaking our language. Audience, let's take advantage of this exclusive offer and let's get our employee management the way we think about that to the level that it needs to be to be successful in our business. So I want to thank Matthew, Dave, for coming on and sharing this insight and expertise with us. To our audience, let's continue to crush it. Until next time.